Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. Uh, just a note for, uh, for our regular listeners, uh, it, is, uh, it is summertime and we have, uh, we have lots of people taking uh, vacations through the summer, including myself. I'm actually going uh, to take some time. So we won't be posting episodes as frequently as we would normally post episodes. We'll still have them, uh, oh, we should probably still be able to get once one in a week or uh, a couple every two weeks, but maybe not on a regular basis. Uh, so watch for them downloading in uh, wherever you download your, your podcast. Uh, but just be aware through uh, July and August, we're going to be a, a little bit less frequent. Uh, but, uh, but boy, we're, uh, we're heading into, this, into the peak of the summer with a very special guest today. Canada's formerly hardest working economist, Eric Lascelles. Because Eric, you took a vacation too, didn't you? I, I did. And it's been such a sleepy summer in terms of the economy and markets. It's been a real breeze. So yes, no longer the hardest working economist, Dave. I, I, I know. Hard, hard to believe that you could take a day off with so much happening in, in the global economy, inflation, recession risk, all that stuff. It's, it's, uh, and and what, did you, what did you take? Half a day? That's right. Yeah. Something like that. One, one day so far. More days are coming. I've got kids in sports, so that limits us. Our vacations revolve around these sporting events. And so uh, let's just say I've been to Niagara Falls in the context of a sporting tournament and had some fun there. And I went to Buffalo uh, recently. I was the only person in the Theodore Roosevelt inaugural museum. It was actually quite a nice one hour private tour. Anyways, we, we've had a fun time. But yes, only a couple days so far. <laughs> Hopefully others are doing better. There, there, there you go. So an, an excellent backdrop for, uh, for what we're going to talk about in terms of the economy, because uh, it, it's, it's got the back and forth and up and down of a, uh, of, of a, great, uh, of a great sporting event. Uh, why don't we start with the, the inflation number in the U.S., which was reported uh, on, uh, on July 13th, so Wednesday, July 13th, uh, for those listening. Uh, a, a bit of a hot number on the headline, but any, anything in there that that makes you more convinced or less convinced that we're starting to see inflation peaking? Right. So, I mean, it certainly was a hot number. So U.S. annual inflation is up to 9.1%. That's a 40-year high. I mean, we've been kind of hitting 40-ish year highs for a while, but still, it's it's another one. And you know, the month-over-month gain was big, too, as I guess you'd expect when the, the yearly figure is jumping. And so, a 1.3% price increase in a single month. Uh, it's pretty wild stuff. And so that's the single largest monthly gain since 05. I'll confess, I haven't gone back to 05. What happened in 05? I don't quite remember. But in any event, something drove prices quite significantly that month. Uh, but in any event, yeah, so more, more big numbers. You know, let, let the record show that our view has been, you know, take the above whatever you're forecasting inflation. And that's been the winning bet for a good year now. So I'm not quite convinced we're we're through that yet. I suppose the numbers from the 13th would, would confirm that to you. Uh, the core inflation isn't running quite as hot. It's running at 5.9 and the monthly numbers aren't quite as as, as big and so far and so on. Uh, when you look at the details, a lot of things are rising fairly quickly. So we, the, the, the criticism for a while has been there's such breadth, it's harder to tame. And so I think that criticism still stands. Though, let the record show the biggest driver was gas prices. This is June data, by the way, it was gas prices and gas prices were up 11%. In June, and you know, one thing we do know about gas prices in July is that they appear to have come off somewhat, and indeed, a lot of commodity prices have come off somewhat over the last you know, three or four weeks. And not all of those factor their way directly into consumer prices. Some of them have to trickle their way through to the consumer over time, but some are fairly immediate, like gas. And so, I guess I would say inflation is still very hot. It's still a pressing concern. Uh, there are still all sorts of scenarios that see it continuing to remain hot. 
Uh, we have, though, had a thesis for, uh, I guess, a, a month or two in which we think we may not be that far from peaking inflation. So clearly, June data was not that. Uh, maybe July data is that with a little helping hand from gas and a helping hand from central banks, which we'll get to in a moment. We, we are using a, a scorecard, 19 inputs, and you know, a significant fraction of them are now saying that uh, inflation may be turning. Uh, now, you know, very few are saying absolutely it is. A number are saying no, it isn't. So it's one of those things in which there's, you know, I guess there's no bell rung at the top as with the stock market. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, as of two months ago, you, none of the indicators would have said inflation is peaking. And now you've got about half of them saying maybe it is. And so we're inclined to think between a weakening economy and central bank rate hikes and some commodity prices turning and the, the, the supply chain story getting a little bit less bad, you know, that should mean inflation becomes a bit less intense. And I guess the thing pitted against that is just it's so broad and it's everywhere and it's just scrambling around. And, you know, the good news is inflation expectations have fallen quite profoundly in terms of market inflation expectations. That's that's an important kind of guide to the future. And so, yeah, I mean, quite remarkably, as of just a couple months ago, the market had assumed U.S. inflation would average about 4% over the next five years. Now the market's assuming inflation averages about 2.5% over the next four years. That's a big difference. Like four would have wow. been a problem. Two and a half yeah. is probably okay. okay. Uh, and so that that's another you know signal in the promising department. Uh, the problem is then you say, well, what about inflation expectations for households? What about inflation expectations for businesses? They have not turned yet. Uh, that's not a total surprise in the sense that I think that you know people who aren't Experts in inflation tend to be a little bit adaptive in their expectations. And so they're still thinking about, well, it's high now. I'm just going to assume it stays high, which frankly has not yeah. been a bad strategy over the last year. Uh, but, but those haven't come down yet. So, you know, we're going to need that to come down, too, to really say that expectations are going to help to to drive inflation down from such high levels. Uh, and, and so the bigger the bigger picture to us is, is inflation maybe gets to be a little bit less high over the second half of the year. But we're we're stopping well short of saying inflation snaps back to normal. That's probably a, a, a multi-year odyssey at this point in time. And unfortunately, as I've said before, it's more likely than not a recession is in the mix as a as part of the fix to the inflation problem. Yeah, and 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 part of that uh, lower market expectation around inflation, there has to be an element of it is is that it, I mean it's pretty clear that central banks are taking this super seriously that they're they're going to get on top of inflation and latest evidence of that comes the same day as the inflation report the Bank of Canada boom one percent uh, Bank of Canada rate increase that's right yeah so big biggest rate hike since I think it was nineteen ninety eight and. Uh, 75 basis points had been expected, which was already enormous, wasn't it? I mean, you, you normally yeah. get a 25 basis point hike at every second meeting during a sleepier tightening cycle. So we were already kind of supercharging it going, you know, four or five, six times faster than normal. I guess we're going eight times faster than normal at, at this juncture. And uh, and so and I guess the, the debate, and so I think that's fine. I mean, obviously, it's a bit of, yeah. a, bit of a surprise and markets have to adjust, but uh, you know, no one's debating whether or not it was appropriate for the policy rate to eventually get to 2.5%, which is where it is. You know, the thinking is it probably needs to get to, to three point something. And, you know, three and a quarter, three and a half is maybe not a bad guess where, where, in terms of where we go in the not too distant future. Uh, and so the, really the, the, the proper question is, well, if they knew they needed to go to three and a half, why didn't they just yes. do that on January 1st or on you know March 1st or something like that? And so the answer is, as much as central banks care a lot about employment and they care a lot about inflation and these sorts of things, they also employ what we would call a smoothing function. In other words, you know, they, they, there, are, there are costs to getting there 
immediately, right? And so it's a shock to markets. It's a shock to the economy. It doesn't give you and I enough time to get our affairs in order. And so normally they prefer to do it more gradually. And you know, clearly, given the urgency of dealing with inflation, they're caring less and less about that smoothing function. And they're just trying to get there as quickly as they can. I would say that uh, you know this more aggressive rate hike from the Bank of Canada doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go to a higher level at the end. This isn't just an extra 25 basis points that you tack on on top of everything they're planning on doing. They were pretty explicit in the statement that they view this as you know, front loading the tightening. So this is them pulling forward tightening instead of necessarily uh, outright increasing the tightening. And uh, I mean, Frankly, if you look at their economic forecasts, they become a fair bit uh, more cautious and not that that's the main perhaps driver of, of where central bank rates go right now. But, uh, you know, the Bank of Canada uh, had forecast 3.2 percent growth for 2023 as of a quarter ago. Now it's 1.8. They basically chopped their forecast in half. Um, one way to think about this is, you know, that 1.8, boy, that's a whole lot less. Uh, we're at 1.1, though. So this, this represents the central bank kind of coming closer to where we already are in terms of our, our forecasts, if, if that makes sense. And so yes. I, I still think we're talking about a policy rate that likely peaks somewhere in the threes. I don't think they have to go a whole lot further than that, mainly because I suspect the economy keels over before then, unfortunately, and, yes. uh, and inflation should be falling in significant part because of that. And of course, when you look at the housing market in Canada in particular, you see obvious signs of of softness, as you would expect, just given the, the rate at which mortgage rates are, are are going up and the rate at which I guess confidence is is falling. So, uh, so again, not necessarily a different endpoint, but a, a faster journey to to get there. And so, I suppose unpleasant for all the borrowers out there a little sooner than previously bargained for. I I, I shouldn't have been so quick to take your hardest working economist in Canada title away from you, because <laughs> you you're you're, you're now uh, improving on the questions that I asked you asking your own question and answering your own question, which, which is tough for me because I, I'm, I'm not as smart as you. I need this gig and, and, uh, and if we're coming into a recession, that's gonna be tough for my employment situation. But uh, again, very, always working hard, always making improvements. And you were, way, you were, you were ahead of pretty much everyone in, in terms of seeing the, the reality of, of where this was gonna end up with, with, with a recession. Uh, are, are you still of the view that this though ends up being because of where we're coming from a relatively mild and recession shallow short or or have we opened up the po the possibility that that we could this could be you know a, a little bit more than just uh just a blip on the radar screen from a recession point of view yeah i think i mean i, w I wouldn't promise mild i think there are a few ways it could go i, I would say at this point i'm thinking middling uh that, and it's, yeah. it's, it's tough to define these things because maybe you would say mild by the standards of the prior two recessions in other words we went through the deepest peak to trough decline in our lifetimes and in fact several yeah. lifetimes arguably in 2020 so it's not likely to be that uh you know the one before that was a global financial crisis 0809 that was also pretty deep i mean and, and even as frankly some of the gdp debt was revised away over the years it was you know, pretty traumatic though in terms of markets and in terms of other things and, and and the financial market element and so I, I don't think we're looking at anything on that scale whatsoever and so mild by those standards maybe middling by a longer term standard of you know I, i'm assuming and and you know very little precision to this but i'm assuming you know maybe the economy shrinks by two and a half percent or something like that and so not not 20 uh neither you know 0.5 or one which was maybe closer to the you know the the early 2000s recession, uh, and you know, do note that that shrinking by a couple percentage points means missing the normal growth trajectory by maybe twice that, because you would have been growing at two percent, and if you're shrinking by two, that's a a, a bigger miss. 
Um, I will say from a labor market perspective, I suspect it'll be even milder than the uh, GDP component. And so I guess the thought process there is is just that probably we're going to see some labor hoarding. These companies have been so struggling and desperate to get workers that if you know the economy weakens and for a moment they don't need all those workers, they'll think twice about laying people off if they don't know with certainty they can get them back later. And so I'm assuming the unemployment rate goes up and so on if there is a recession. This is all a big if, by the way. We think it's likely to <laughs> yes, no quite yes. certainty here. We're a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, but but I, I suspect the unemployment rate goes up by you know two or three percentage points, not not five or six. We're not talking about a return to, to double digit unemployment. Um, and in terms of the length, gee, I mean, I'm assuming it's two or three quarters long, which is pretty standard. I, I would say I've even had people start to ask me quite rightly, though it's, I guess, early just in the sense that we don't even know if there is a recession, let alone how deep <laughs> yeah. it might be. But they're saying, what would the recovery look like after? And of course, a lot <laughs> depends on if there's a recession and, and how, how big the recession was and so on, none of which we can speak about with certainty. Um, but I would say, again, kind of middling pace would be my expectation, which which is a, another boring answer, but uh, just for context, you know, after the pandemic, uh, that was a, a searingly fast recovery. We saw 11 percentage points chopped off the U.S. unemployment rate in the span of two years. I mean, that's an insane rate of recovery. So it's not yes. going to it's not going to be running at you know five percentage point drop in the unemployment rate per year. That's unlikely. Equally, yeah. you look back at the prior cycle and the global financial crisis, and it took you know eight nine years to get back to uh, you know desirable unemployment rate, and that was incredibly slow. So I think we're talking about something in the middle uh, in, in terms of a, a possible recession. Um, but again, we are still talking in hypotheticals. But it's just it's hard to avoid a recession when you have rates going up so much, and you've had an oil shock, and you have you know food prices and and gas price, all these things conspiring at once, you know, you, you'd need to be pretty lucky, I think, to avoid it. And you'll keep in mind, central banks are, are acknowledging that the risks are growing there. Uh, but central banks equally, not not to disparage them, but central banks, part of their job is maintaining confidence in the economy. And so, you know, they're not going to be the first one in general to predict a recession. In fact, you know, they, they could well have internal models saying it's quite likely and they probably stay a little light on that claim for a while. And so I don't know if I put too much weight in them saying uh, soft landing remains fairly likely. But but you know as 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 we've been talking over the months and and again you were you were you were early in suggesting that that we you know we'd likely fall into a recession, and and that because of the employment situation, uh, not not too too severe a recession that this could be fantastic for for markets because you kind of reset everything coming out of this and you know that that incredible downdraft that we had in 2020 where we had to shut down the economies, it bounces back, it bounces back super hot, but now we need to settle back to, to somewhere that just feels a little bit more normal. And, and that might be where we come out at the, at, at the tail end of a recession and, and, and then move into that recovery period, right? Yeah, I, th I think that's right. Uh, and so uh, I guess as we've said, uh, you know, recession, not good, but, but you know, high inflation, even more not good. And so yes, the key yes. here is to fix the high inflation. And if it takes a recession to get there, that's a price worth paying. And it's a you know, very temporary amount of pain in markets. And, and you trade that for a you know, decade or generation of rising prosperity, because that's possible when you tame inflation. And so I, I think we're right to think that's, that's job one. And you know, to the extent we get any evidence that inflation is being tamed, and you can argue big rate hikes are are indirectly maybe a bit of evidence in that direction. That's a that's ultimately a good thing. That means that central banks are behaving credibly and they really do want to. Uh, the, the bottom line is we're in a situation in which rate hikes are, are not the worst thing in the world. They're going to help to fix inflation and 
from there, uh, we will see markets bottom and, and ascend from there and, and with room for, for gains in the future. I'm not going to pretend I can say with precision if this is the bottom or the bottoms three months from now. I mean, this is this is hard to say with with precision, but certainly market, markets are more fairly valued than they were uh, at the start of the year. And I, I think we're all looking opportunistically saying, OK, when is the right time to jump in here and buy some stocks on sale and buy some credit on sale and that kind of thing, because that is the right attitude when, when markets go down. Well, it, it, it'll be uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to when uh, when inflation calms down, because uh, tonight I'll be staying at one of those fabulous roadside, you know, just off the interstate exit. I won't say any brand. I don't want to disparage any brand. I, I would disparage this brand where I'm staying normally pay about 100 bucks a night to stay there, maybe 120 and I'm paying 500 and it's still the same bad hotel. So. Inflation is uh, is having its impact, and so we like it would be nice to see prices normalize, uh, even for hardworking economists who, when they take a vacation. Anyways, Eric, that's a that's a great update. Um, thanks as always. Uh, enjoy your summer, and we'll we'll get you back uh, get you back early in the fall to uh, to see if your uh, your crystal ball has worked once again, as it always does. Thanks a lot. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Bye, everybody. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.